We got a very special episode coming out today. I'm so excited for you all to hear it. Speaking with some amazing insiders about what's going on in the world, what's going on with the markets, what's going on with public sentiment. These are a lot of things that we're going to get into right now, so I hope you're doing well. I hope this finds you great. If anything, I wish you all the success and happiness in the world, and uh, enjoy because we got a hell of a show. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Welcome back to another week of Living With Will. Bump in the road, minor setback. I cannot forget that. You see me sell soft, I regret that. I carry the supply like a kid pack. And you ain't have to talk, you just stare back. You already know where my head at. I'm trying this to get this bread, Jack. And really, Beast I ain't it. trying to hear that. The number it's one most trusted big casino really in the world. That. Hell yeah. Beastbin is packed with exclusive promotions, lightning fast withdrawals, and a dedicated support team. That's Level right. up the gaming experience and become part of our thriving global community today. Sheesh. Woo. Let's keep in mind, though, you know, we got to keep this serious. At, at the end of the day, this is lighthearted, it's fun. But remember, this is supposed to be fun. Gaming, gambling, it should all be fun and responsible. Yep. Don't play. Don't get involved if you don't live in a place that allows gambling. You know, if you need gambling help, gambling addiction, please visit Gambling Addiction Hotline at 1-800-522-4700. If you reside in the U.S., that is. You know, we're not all U.S. here. Um, and make sure, again, if you're in a restricted area in the U.S., don't don't try local law enforcement. Just don't do it. Drive to Vegas. You know what I mean? Play from Nevada, for example. Drive somewhere in your location where it's free and legal for you to do so. Um, but if you have a problem and you don't reside in the U.S., you can always go online to gamtalk.org. That's G-A-M. G as in grandma. A as in apple. M as in maybe don't do this. Gamtalk.org. <laughs> We want this to be a safe, social, and inclusive experience, which is why B-Spin is the ultimate in social, safe, and successful experiences. So dive in. Don't wait. In. Don't wait. Join now. Let's Join go. now. Let's get it. And as always. First off, just want to thank everybody for coming out and, and really appreciate um, you know taking your lunch hour to, uh, to chat with us today about um, you know a few topics. And um, you know, first... I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to just point out that, you know, we've been discussing this for a few weeks on on the uh, on the market segment news on the show, um, the meme coin culture, and you know I've been talking to a lot of the the folks who are who are embedded there, and there's nothing more that I want to do than protect that culture, and this uh, I'm reading the news and I'm seeing someone took twenty seven dollars and turned into a million. In, uh, in a in a day in a few days with the with the Pepe coin, and uh, that just makes me smile. So so I always ask everybody what's been making you smile, and that's that made me smile because that is the lower barrier of entry. That is the financial literacy. That is the definition of what we're doing. And unfortunately, uh, you know we have people like Gary Ginsler who are jumping you know back and forth between stuff, who put this in danger, and uh, you know. We'll talk about him kind of getting, uh, getting, getting a little reprimand today. But first, I want to ask Will, what's got you smiling, man? Dude, you know what? I'm I'm excited about a lot of things, but you know, I'm just gonna be totally transparent. It's 420. I know. Um, excited. <laughs> I was like, no one's gonna come here because it's 420. But it, hopefully, they'll like res- listening to some news and some rants and. Today we'll be focused on like decentralization and Web three and like why that's important. Um, so I hope I hope that fits like you know 
what everybody's vibing with. I think it should. I think those things go hand in hand. Yeah, you and know, I mean, DJs yeah. like DJs like business. <laughs> I mean, so so kicking it back off with DJs. I mean, by the way, I just want to reiterate. You know, uh, my name is Amr Shihad. I'm the chief investment officer at, at Acquireify. Um, so our goal at Acquireify, basically, and it's to rewrite the deal space. I, I, I come from traditional sell side M and A. I come from venture capital. I've I've been a founder. I've I've raised funds. I've 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 seen it from all angles. I've gotten it from all angles. It's it's rarely helpful to the founder, and it's rarely helpful to even the fund. And so, what is Web three if not a place to recreate a process that is broken? If that's not the definition of Web three, then I I I am in the wrong place, and you guys should report this account to Twitter and get me banned. Um, because you know, that, that to me is what, what matters most is being able to recreate a broken system that's marginalized people. And I'm not even talking about like marginalizing, you know, systemic marginalization of, 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 you know, brown people or, 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 uh, you know, different, different ethnicities, you know, um, it's marginalization of people in general. I mean, these are the most secluded industries in finance. Um, you know, to get onto a boutique M&A firm, you're, you're looking at apprenticeship, you're looking at probably an MBA at some point, and you're looking at, you know, seven years of, of really, really dry work. And, 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 and this is the, this is the, this is the, the small team that is deciding whether your company as a founder is going to be sold or not. My, 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 my mood that week could cost you $500 million or it could cost you a hundred million dollars. And to me, that's wrong. It should never come down to an, indiv- an individual. It should never come down to a group of individuals. Uh, there's subject matter experts for a reason. I completely agree. And one of them's with us here. I'm going to invite him to speak. I don't know if he can, but um, you know, he's, he's bearing, he's, he's, he's crashing down walls with what he's doing at unbanked. And that's why we love him. But Ian Kane's here. Grim, everybody follow everybody. You know, that's I, that's that's something that we all should be doing. But um, back back to back to kind of just the point of this, wh- wh- why we're doing what we're doing. Um, you know, it's it should be founder focused. And with FTX happening, you know, I, I look back and I'm glad FTX happened. You know, did it hurt? Absolutely. Do I uh, did it hurt me personally? Absolutely. Did it hurt others? Absolutely. Do I feel bad about that? Absolutely. Did I see crypto decouple from technology? Yes. Did I see an emphasis back on regulation? Yes. Did I see an emphasis back on governance? Yes. Did I see the SEC kind of lose track of what it, what reality is? Yes. So, so a lot of things happened that I think needed to happen. We had a lot of bad actors shaken out. Um, and so with that, you know, gives, gives us the opportunity to actually affect change. And so what we're doing here is we're, we're offering, you know, basically services that would that would cost you 50k plus minimum with a retainer um and you know you're working with somebody who's a stranger somebody who's focused in finance only they don't understand technology they don't understand the nuances of web3 they don't understand uh you know how to how to how to walk that line and there's very few people that are that are and that's why i'm really excited to have ian on and ian i promise my rant's almost over um and i'll i'll have a perfect segue i promise so, so basically, <laughs> so good, basically, man. I met Ian through 
this shared interest. And we actually met before meeting uh, using Unbanked. And if you haven't checked out Unbanked, uh, you should. I, you know, I, I, I picked it up when it was called Block Card, I think, still, before it officially became Unbanked. Like that week, it changed in branding, I think. But really, you know, the goal is to provide this industry, the crypto native, the Web3 native, the ability to use frictionless uh, transitions between Web2 and Web3. And that's what we're doing at Acquirefy. So if you're a founder, if you're someone who is looking to own a company, entre- entrepreneurship through acquisition, if you're looking to invest in a company that is already revenue generating, has its licenses, has its you know team, has its has everything, all the ingredients. If you're a fund institution, you're looking for deal flow, or you're looking to share deal flow. You know we're we're creating an ecosystem that's verified, validated, and vetted. And yes, I alliterated, and I love it. Um, and, and, and the goal of that is to increase the velocity of funding. We want funding to happen faster. You know, the typical life cycle of a deal, you're talking about third, you know, three months to, you know, in the bull cycle, I think it's, it's really, it's really this bull cycle, you know, it was years. So a lot of people in this space didn't has, have never experienced what a, a bear market is. And, uh, you know, I think they're learning for the first time that a bear market is not only not forgiving, it is certainly uh, it's fickle and you have to change how you operate and you have to change how you think. So so with that in mind, you know, why why not decrease the costs for funds to understand that this company is vetted and why not decrease the costs for founders to be able to focus on their business and not on putting together documents and, and folders and writing, you know, you know, language that's going to resonate with the funds and, uh, you know, synthesize, you know, 100 pages of research and stuff into one page. So so why not act as that 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 it seems centralized? It does. But it's the true nature of it is to be decentralized. It's so that founders can focus on their companies and funds can focus on their investments and their risk mitigation strategies and their thesis. And in between, there's a platform that removes bias. It's double blind. So the fund doesn't have a name to the startup and the startup doesn't have a name to the fund or the, and, and the company doesn't have a name to the fund. And in doing so, we're removing cultural bias, removing geographic bias, removing all sorts of bias that normally would prevent people from investing. And I use this example all the time. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a medical, you know, uh, venture capital fund and I'm looking for new imaging technology. I'm literally going to look in the biotech sector. Unfortunately, that's where I'm going to be looking and I'm going to probably miss out on what I need. And literally, if you remove the bias and you introduce things like we are like machine learning and AI, you know, uh, not chat GPT, like real AI to be able to understand what the criteria that you're looking for is. And what inventory, what, what do we have in terms of startups and companies for sale? We could tell you that there is a company that is working on sensing technology, you know, in the media entertainment sector that fits this perfectly. So, so not only is it making it based on merit, it's removing the bias. It's allowing funds to participate more frequently. So A16Z, Animoca, these companies don't take meetings because startups have taken that single meeting and gone and raised capital saying they're backed by or, you know, partnered with. And so, so that's something that, you know, 
we're trying to eliminate. We're trying to bring merit-based actions in a trusted ecosystem and then bring in really good service providers that are all trusted. So everyone, basically, you don't have to leave to, to have safety, security, and then the community basically is able to introduce things uh, into the into the ecosystem as well. And the most the most exciting part is in within the next hundred days, we should have one of the most robust, if not the most robust, crowdfunding license. So if you're if you're a founder and you're you're technical, and uh, you know you or if you're a founder and you've got a big community, you know, come on our way. We're going to give you 15 ways to to get to to get to the end result you need. Um, and, and, and with that, you know, I want to take pause and, and thank Ian for coming because I want to discuss, you know, the importance of, of being compliant and how, how that is. And, and first I want to, you know, mention that Unbanked is, is, uh, is a company that I, I really admire. Um, you know, the regulatory coverage is out of this world, uh, the way that it's been set up and, and constructed, you know, I'll let Ian talk to it because I really want you to you know, kick us off on the, on the governance aspect. Yeah, no, listen, I appreciate the, uh, the intro, man. That was, uh, was well done. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, you alluded to it very well, which is, you know, we started unbanked a few years ago. Um, and our general thesis was that there's a lot of companies right now that are going and they're building offshore and they're doing things by, you know, basically avoiding, avoiding regulation. And we believe that crypto um, as an asset class in order to really gain, you know, mass adoption is going to be regulated. And so as an, as a company, you know, we're better off engaging with regulators, building on shore um, and doing things the right way. And so, you know, when we, when we started, we registered with, with um, the SEC, with, with FinCEN, with FinTrack out of Canada, we've got pending um, licenses with the FCA out of the UK with NYDFS. Um, and really, you know, long story short, it's a painful thing to do. It's not easy. Um, you know, regulation is there for a reason. So, so Ian, Ian, let me let me stop you for a second because I think a lot of people in the audience don't 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 know how truly hard. So, so when we're, we throw out all these acronyms and, and jargon, and and it's important because when you're in the industry, you ha- it just saves time. But going through each one of these processes is. It's it's extremely stressful. It's very much a a you know back and forth. It's very much a grueling process for each one, and it's not like uh, it's not like social media where if you get a check mark here and a check mark there, you're gonna get a check mark over here. Um, like it, it's 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 very much uh, independent. It's very much power tripping. A lot of power tripping happens, and and the worst part of it all is is as you become more compliant, as you follow the rules, it becomes harder to, it becomes harder to actually do anything. And, you know, you have to, you have to tell 25 different people anytime you want to want to do a press release, but but sorry to interrupt. So I just wanted to kind of highlight how, how, how hard it is to get and maintain these licenses. Yeah, no, it's, it's really difficult. Um, and it's, it, you know, with a lot of these licenses, they've been pending for the better part of three years. Um, and, it, and I think that's ultimately why a lot of the companies in our space just avoid it, because honestly, it's, it's easier. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know from a long-term aspect how that, that builds your reputation. You know, our, our bet is that doing things the right way and taking the harder path 
long-term is going to help us build a stronger foundation as a company. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, we, we have, um, you know, uh, let me take a step back. So our, our core business is really uh, what Amra just said, which is kind of sitting at the intersection of crypto and traditional finance. So we offer uh, card programs where people can take their digital assets and spend them across the Visa or MasterCard rails. Um, we also offer bank accounts through our partner banks. So people have an FDIC-insured bank account that they can then use to effectively buy or sell different digital currencies. Um, you know, the thing that makes us really special as a company is that unlike a Coinbase or Revolut or some of the other companies out there, we're not building a walled garden. So what we do is we actually take our platform and we enable other companies in the space to effectively private label it. So the Litecoin card is a great example. That's Unbanks technology. Litecoin just put their brand on top of it and they go out there and they market it. And so we're working with great companies like the Litecoin Foundation, Nexo, Stormex, Stacks, um, a bunch of great brands. And so when you think of our platform, think of it like a tapestry where what we're doing is we're aggregating different banks all around the world, different card networks, different KYC vendors, a whole, you know, different uh, crypto custodial partners and bringing it all together into one platform and effectively allowing other companies to private label a debit card, a bank account, any kind of on and off ramp and go to market as if it's their own. With that comes what, you know, everything Emma just discussed, really tough regulation, really tough compliance policies that we have to put in place in order to ensure we're staying, staying compliant. And, you know, Europe, for example, it took us two years just to launch a car program. Um, yeah, so yeah, and here's my question for you is, is so, and I'd love for anybody in the audience to chime in. And, and so, so as we look at this, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are looking at us and being like, these are centralized solutions. These are centralized people. But, but, you know, I've spent hours on the phone recently with Ian and, 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 you know, it's been a pleasure. And I can tell you right now that Ian is not for centralization uh, we're, we're not here to centralize. We're here to, to help the creator economy, to help creators have commerce and community be their focus. Well, not commerce. We'll enable commerce for their community. And so they can focus on delivering the experience that's actually going to bring mass adoption, that's actually going to be sticky. And, and without doing so, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize like what, what Ian was just saying right there about the EU taking years. So if you have a company that's based, that's doing a GameFi project, they're doing gaming and they're doing a custodial wallet and, you know, you're going to be able to use it as if you're Web2 and all this fun stuff that's really great for marketing. When it comes down to brass tacks, wherever they got that license for the custodial wallet is the only place it's going to be able to be used. And so that's the only way that that feature can be accessed. And for any other place or jurisdiction they want to take this to, they're either going to have to break regulations and break the law, basically, or, or they need to get in line for a two-year process of paperwork, which then takes them away from their core, core values. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I will say is, we, so we definitely won't ever break the law. <laughs> we definitely won't ever, ever avoid it. But I would also say that 
um, it's not just unbanked in our decision, right? We're working with massive companies like Visa, like Amex, you know, we're engaging with those regulators. And so there is a process. There basically is not an unregulated way to launch a Visa card. There just simply is. There's too many, for lack of a better term, cooks in the kitchen, right? We go through our own process, the regulatory process, the bank process, the Visa process, et cetera. Um, what I will say is, you know, our bet is that crypto is inevitable, right? It's not going away. Blockchain, it's here to stay. Now, where how people hold or store or use their value, that's an individual's choice. So some people may love Bitcoin, others Ethereum. You know, I think the majority of people are going to be getting in, you know, using the blockchain for the first time with a stable coin, right? And it could be USD, could be, you know, Euro, could be, you know, anything. And so our, our bet is that if we engage with regulators, we build the product, we do it the right way. It takes us a little bit longer to get to market and launch somewhere, but ultimately we've laid the foundation or the train tracks into these different geographies so that whatever asset class that is tokenized and on the blockchain can be used on those traditional rails. And the reality is, is that once you send somebody money using a stable coin, you never want to go back to wire, right? If I could send $100 million and I use Solana and it takes me five seconds and it's there and it's verifiable, I never want to go back to Bank of America and send a wire for $40 and pay an FX fee and have to wait a couple days. It's just a better, faster, cheaper experience. And that's where we're headed, is that people are just going to have a better, faster, cheaper experience using the blockchain for their daily finances without even necessarily understanding how a blockchain works. No, and, that, and that's fantastic. And, and, and really, you know, that's, that's, that's important because it focuses on the next topic I want to bring up, which is, you know, understanding that this is a global economy and a, a global ecosystem and people really not recognizing the fact that uh, corporate structure is, is, is the, the bedrock that you're going to be building and growing, uh, growing your ecosystem from. And, you know, we have so much uncertainty right now uh, that it's, it's, it's not only paralyzing, uh, you know, individuals, but institutions, it's companies, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's no, there's no guidance for or against, especially now with the recent 180. So I'll give a recap. So essentially we've had, I just want to clarify to everybody that the SEC can't legally ban something from the United States of America. Like you literally can't, you have to go through Congress to do that. You know, it's called, you know, you should watch the video. I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill. It's honestly wonderful. Music's incredible. Um, And so basically you've got, Gary Ginsler, who one year ago, one year ago, almost to the date with Algorand is dancing and celebrating and showing at how the transactions per second are unbelievable. And the security that the, the, the blockchain trilemma has been solved and Algorand has properly, you know, uh, set themselves up in the proper jurisdictions to be completely decentralized and enter the U S and not pose any, any type of threat to the speakers or sorry not to the speakers to the to their users and then we have last week literally last week the same guy sitting there calling this uh, calling this this company that has a public utility token a a security a company that has literally brought a sovereign nation a currency they're calling them a security it is it's just it's 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 mind-boggling to me 
and 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 we have RB up here. RB, it seems like you want want to jump in. Well, you just mentioned Algorand, buddy. So I, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not really going to speak to uh, to any of that stuff. But um, I'm up here just to offer support and uh, congratulate you guys um, on a really really cool uh, product. And um, you know, you're 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 amazing, Amro. So uh, one question that that I'd love to just to get into and hear hear you uh, talk about is is how to you know get people from web two into web three so that was uh just one thing i was thinking about yeah yeah that's a great question robbie and 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 thanks for jumping on and and i think you know i think how we get people on from from web two to web three is we need to think about the total size of this market and so that's why that's why i love what we're doing at Quifers, is we get to look at the macro picture and if you look at you know mergers and acquisitions alone, it's eight. I think it's like an uh, it's it's a it's a it's a big number. It's a lot of zeros. Um, so I think in the U.S. alone, it's something like eight point four billion a year. Or something it might be more. Uh, that might be mid market only. But the way we get users in is if you think about the total market cap of this industry, we're looking at uh, you know just over a trillion. I think we broke again. We might have dipped down again. But like, let's just over just just over a trillion. You look at Apple's market cap, two point five seven one trillion dollars, and then look at the top next top ten. We're talking about you know fifteen trillion dollars. So you're looking at companies that have a bad fiscal quarter, and with the proceeds from that fiscal quarter, can literally buy this entire industry. And by the way, those companies have more customers together then we have unique users in this industry. So we need to focus on the, the macro picture and understand what, drove, uh, what drives adoption in general. So everyone's heard of the adoption curve, you know, uh, and there's, there's something called the chasm. I think it's in between 13 and a half and 16%. And, and after 16%, you're in hyper growth. But, you know, look at, look at the cloud. The cloud, you know, it was built to support uh, e-commerce. And I argue that it was honestly an accident, but, you know, people argue with me that it's not, you know, I think, you know, if you look at the, look at Amazon, they, they had so much traffic to their, to their booming e-commerce site that they literally built the cities, city, city sized data centers right down the street from me in Ashburn, Virginia. And then the seasonal seasonal aspect of their business kicked in and you can't just wind down these things. They take, it takes a lot of power, takes a lot of actual, like literal manpower, human power um, to actually, you know, get these. We hear about EVMs, right? Everybody hears EVM, you know, AVM, you know, all these, all these FVM with Filecoin's VM. You hear about that. It's a virtual machine. A virtual machine is the basis of how cloud computing exists. So essentially, uh, we're talking about, um, you know, the seasonal nature of, of, of owning these, this, this a massive amount of servers and electricity costs basically eating into the margin. So what do you do? You diversify into a new industry. So they start you letting finance use it. They start letting, you know, uh, gaming use it. They start letting vid, uh, video rendering use it. And now they're, they've moved into new industries, new customer bases, new, new clientele. And after that, you open it up and have the have it be as as easy to use as possible to serve any industry to be industry agnostic, 
And so if you look at that trajectory and see how the cloud has grown and it's, it's, it's a pretty big industry. I mean, AWS alone is worth $40 billion. If last time I checked, I think it's worth more now. Uh, and that's a company within a company. Um, and so, so if you think about where we are, we're, we're programmable infrastructure. You know, a lot of this is programmable infrastructure that, that allows people to create amazing things. And so what we need to do to really get adoption is we need very easy ways for people to feel like it's, you know, second nature. So easy ways to get money in and out and use this programmable infrastructure and then push away from just the traditional finance use cases. I'm not saying ignore them. Uh, you know, I'm not saying ignore DeFi and, and TradFi and CeFi, but I'm, I'm saying we need to push into beyond gaming. We need to push into, you know, b 2 b to c I'm talking about supply chain management, retail. I'm talking about, you know, even, even, uh, even uh, you know, digital identity and, and things of that nature. And, and that's where we'll see the, the proliferation of, of different companies come into the space and not just companies, industries and, and the convergence of technology where we have AI actually intersect with blockchain. Now we're talking about startups adopting. Now we're talking about complete, uh, you know, companies that have communities and industries with them. So it's really so that's that's how I see the adoption curve. I mean, Will, do you do you have anything to add? I literally was in the middle of typing the most epic story on Twitter and I had to end it to respond. You you shifted towards me so quickly. Um I'll get back to it in a bit. That was a masterpiece that will never exist now. Um, <laughs> what was the question one more time? That no, comes... no, I'll redirect it. Robbie. No, no, no. Just, yeah, yeah. just re-asking re the question. I, I'm Robbie, back for Robbie, it. Robbie, do you have a different perspective? You can't give it away from me after I just ruined that story to answer you, dude. What was the question? So the question was, <laughs> well, the, the question was really, you know, this, I described the way of how we get adoption from Web two into this into Web three. Um, okay, and, you know there's a, there was a little bit of context behind it. So let let Robbie go and then you go. Trust me, because you're gonna you motherfucker. All right, go ahead, Robbie. <laughs> Don't you love it when Amro just puts you on the spot? Um, so, well, I, personally for me, the reason I'm in this game is because of the real world use cases that blockchain solves and how there's real world problems being solved, you know, literally across the globe that many people don't really realize internet for all banking, the unbanked, for example, like these are ways that people will really connect and understand how blockchain can improve their lives and bring billions and billions more into, into the market and just lift people up. So that's why I'm in this game. I love that. Yeah, I think as far as it goes with, you know, increasing adoption from Web 2 to Web 3, I don't want to say it's going to happen through regulation. I think it'll be self-regulation. But the more that people start putting in safeguards for the, the entering community and establish trust and security in a way that there aren't as many rugs or as many scams. I mean, I think th those things will still exist, right? I, like, I think in a decentralized space, it's impossible to avoid. But I think the, the transition will happen more rapidly 
when like for example metamask doing that scam checker with OpenSea, fail safes like that that make it more accessible and safer to utilize for the novice user um that i think will rapidly accelerate the amount of people participating in web3 because a lot of folks you know if you have um an established brand it's a tall order to risk the security of your customer in this space when there is no risk outside of it. I'll give the example of people who use merch, right? Like as a, as a means for revenue. So if you're selling merch to your customer, there's no potential risk of your customer losing money other than the sweatshirt not arriving. Right. But like if you're an NFT, for example, and you're established company, at a certain point, somebody's buying the top of that NFT. And so you have a risk of losing the customer because they could potentially lose money on whatever the product was. And that, that was off of a, I'm, I'm using a direct example off a conversation I had um, trying to speak to a content creator and, and recommending that they get into Web3. And they basically were like, look, I'm really interested in it. But right now, as it exists, there's so much room for scam. People will take advantage of my community and I just can't risk it. So, and so, I think, so yeah, so, go ahead. So, so that's where I think, you know, governance comes in and plays a huge part because I think really, I think governance is really misunderstood um, by a lot of people. Um, and I'm, and I'm saying that because I misunderstood it and, and I'm really, I'm think, I think I'm starting to understand it more. Um, you know, governance if you think about, you know, a solar system, the governance, governance should be, you know, the sun um, and, and everything should be, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, kind of, you know, I forget the, I literally have, have, have lost my vocabulary today for some reason, uh, orbiting around the sun, uh, whether that's the token economics, whether that's the, you know, actual utility of the, of the, of the token itself, uh, the foundation, how how the devco or any for-profit entity is going to be paid how you elect leaders how you uh how you uh basically how you're able to basically um justifiably manage and give this give this you know special special value to the ecosystem and and until you realize that the importance of governance that it needs to drive value, which then drives access to utility, which then drives to governance again. I call it the governance sandwich. That creates actual participation. And, and I hate to use the word force. It, it you, no one's forced to do anything. But, you know, DAO participation, governance participation is like 1% to 3%. So we need to get that up. And that's a measure to protect people, to protect those brands, to protect that against that risk that you were just talking about, Will. Because if you have participation from a large group of people around governance that is serving them to basically enable value gathered from a utility um, and that utility is generated by a token, let's say, now you're driving away from financial use cases. Now you're driving to actual, you know, the, the point of releasing this, uh, you know, technology. And if we're able to do that, then essentially the the participation in from the community will go up and they'll actually be able to guide and give feedback to a brand, to a marketer, to an av to, to literally whoever it is. 
And, and, and at, at the end of the day, that is the most tremendous value add that you can have, especially when we're dealing with a consumer based, you know, economy, um, you know, marketing makes the world go round. Um, and so in this case, this marketing is, is literally to help the, the ecosystem. And that's why a lot of people talk about uh, tokenizing equity or the tokenization of equity. So there's, there's a difference between, you know, tokenized equity and tokenization of equity and tokens. When you have tokens, you have people without good governance. You have people who are there that own it to speculate, that own it to, you know, pump and dump, that own it to, uh, you know, they own it to, to, for reasons that don't drive value to the core of the, uh, of the business, of, of the ecosystem, of the, of the utility. Uh, when you tokenize equity, you're just, you know, creating that same scenario with equity, which is even more regulatory dangerous. But tokenized equity itself, I think, is something that we will see into the future. Um, basically, in the future, you know, we need to be able to have liquid secondary markets. And if you hold equity, your value, your interests go towards bringing value to that ecosystem, to that nucleus. And so the only way that I think that that's possible is if, if we really take a look at governance, we really take a look at how can we increase participation and uh, that's how we can get around this this SEC kind of uh, basically making Pokemon cards a security. So so I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts or, or feedback on that because, um, you know, I just don't think we like there's no Lexus Nexus. There's no legal library for for, you know, governance to, to be able to research. So we need to really rely on each other. So I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts there. And then I think that's the key to being able to actually sustainably grow an ecosystem and keep it truly decentralized. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right to me. What else have you been seeing that's going on in the news, man? There's so much happening right now. Did you see Pepe got suspended again? Yeah, there's there's a lot happening. Um, I mean, most importantly is we basically need to to get clear to get clarity from from the lawmakers essentially. Until we do that, uh, I think there's a lot of people who are going to be sitting on their hands and and kind of waiting. Um, and the more waiting that happens, uh, you know, we're a culture, we're a world culture that overcorrects, um, and so you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to be waiting too long because we're going to overcorrect in the wrong way. Um, so I think, you know, what I, what I'm, what I'm loving seeing is a lot of these, a lot of these companies that are, that are coming out and, and building and building solutions on top of the technology as, as they kind of wait for the, uh, wait for the, basically the, the signals that, you know, at least they won't be sent to jail for what they're doing. Um, but, but for me, I think, I think what we really need to focus on is, is understanding how to, how to position, how to position this space so that we can, uh, we can accept, you know, the fact that we have a FinTech aspect of this and then we have a technology sector. And, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's what I look for in the news because, you know, the prices here are so volatile. It's, it's honestly, it's honestly, uh, I always tell people who are first coming in, just, just, just. If you ha create a hypothesis and then hold on, uh, but no, what, what happened? Did it get what? What got banned? Go ahead, Will. 
No, no. Oh, oh, you were saying what got banned? No, Pepe, the the meme coin that's just been absolutely fucking going nuts. It uh, it got suspended. I think their Twitter account got suspended. But it's pretty crazy how how in the middle of I mean I guess bear markets is anytime a meme coin can pump, but it's pretty extraordinary how quickly whoever was behind it, whatever influencer channels they were working in, like they ran it up quick and they obviously you know they're gonna be fine i I, i'm i feel for the people who bought at the top i don't know that the top is in but it's not looking too good for them it's just a wild time i mean you were literally just talking about people doing things legally and waiting to do it legally that's just not the experience that i've had in this space i feel like people it's a you know act now ask for forgiveness later kind of industry like, look at, um, what's his name, Zagabond, the CEO for uh, Azuki's. He rugged, what, like three communities beforehand? And yeah. But then once they started making money, they, cause they, they just cared about money. They didn't care about legality. So, um, so here's the thing, though, right. is, is uh, the issue with that is there's a difference between rugging and, and failing, right? Uh, the issue there is when you fail – and you take money from retail investors, that's where you're doing wrong because you don't have the right to do that. You know, it's just, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, there's a reason there's accreditation or sophisticated investors because they're aware and they have the financial, you know, uh, benchmarks to be able to take that risk. Um, and basically he, if he had owned up to those mistakes, I, I, I honestly like that's what every founder should do because you learned everything from your failures fail fast. Often you don't, you learn nothing from success except that it feels good. And, and when you have success, you should keep pushing forward. So I, I think, you know, the, the, the issue with this space is that the memory of, of it is, is like a goldfish. And, and that's partly because it's 365, but also because there's so much happening. Um, but if we look at, you know, what's coming up, what I'm most excited about is consensus and uh, seeing all the, everything that's progressed from last year, number one. And number two, what I've seen and noticed and really, really, really enjoyed. And, and I'm shocked. Will you haven't brought this up is, is the fusion of, of the art scene and, and the venture capital scene. It's, it's almost been incredibly seamless like this time around and every year it's progressed um, where, you know, it was like uh, smashing rocks together. The first NFT NYC and the first, you know, first time these these worlds collided. Um, and now, now you look at events like our Basel and 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 every single every single crypto event now has an NFT kind of uh, element. And I literally am, am going to consensus with an NFT pass. So like, it's it's something that uh, I think is is truly incredible. And uh, and and that's something that I'm I'm really really very much looking forward to. I'm looking forward to seeing how much more, uh, you know, how much more can we see these two worlds, you know, intersect because, because that's the first use case that's going to push, push this, push this industry forward to, to users, uh, is, is creation is art is, is imagination. And that's why people tend to hug gaming, but I don't think it necessarily will be gaming that does it. I think there's a lot more ways to do that. Uh, it's the experience, experiential side. It's, it's, IRL stuff as well and and not having to announce that we're running on a specific infrastructure is something that I think is 
paramount and something that's I'm really excited is happening more and more. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely something that's, that, that, that I'm very excited about being, being a consensus. And I hope, I hope whoever's going, uh, you know, shoots a DM and, and we'll get a chance to, to definitely connect. Uh, and, and really it's just, it's, it's awesome to see the artists get recognition from, from venture capital funds that I, you would never would have thought in, in years would have even acknowledged, uh, this as a business model or this as a, you know, something relevant. And now we're seeing, you know, nine figure investments in them, which is, which is awesome. And, and I think, uh, I think if we can perpetuate and figure out how to, uh, navigate these things using the tools that are afforded to us, using the building blocks that were actually, you know, here from the onset, like governance, like DAOs, like decentralization, like, you know, participation that can protect the artist, the creator. Uh, then you have fiat on ramp and off ramp. And then you have companies like Acquirefy where we want you to focus on what you do best and facilitate talent. Uh, and really, that's how, you know, that's what Web3 means to me. It's a philosophy more than a technology. And, and that, that I've got a big smile on my face, but that's what makes me happy. And I'm, I'm, I'm super thrilled about it. And I think we have a, I think we've got an amazing artist in the house right now. Uh, I think Drew, Drew the barman's in here. I'm pretty sure Drew is a, Drew's one of the, one of the uh, magnificent creators that I was just speaking about. But uh, yeah, um, I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys if you guys have any questions. Anyone wants to come up and talk? Yeah, I see you got Goldilocks in here as well, and and Cassius. We got some amazing artists. What's up, Cassius? Right now. What's going on? Yeah, we got some great artists. You know what though? Can I play? Can I play kind of the the uh, the alternative? Yeah, just, please. So I, I'm I'm saying this in a positive light, right? Like, because I'm keeping the positivity. I like that you're smiling. But uh, I wanted to just bring up this other way of looking at it because I agree. Like, it's a philosophy. It's a it's a mentality. It's a potential. There's financial freedom. There is there is you know direct access to consumer. There's a lot of opportunity. But at the same time, I'm seeing a lot of the same things that we're moving away from in Web two. It's just a remodeled, refurbished, you know, it's like, it's like, um, gay pride month and companies that are homophobic are putting up the gay flag. Does that make sense? Like they're putting up the LGBTQ flag because it gets them money, but they're not actually walking the walk. You, does that make sense? Like Chick-fil-A is waving the flag, but they're not going to hire somebody. And I'm seeing like similar styles of like profiteering happening in web three. I'll give an example. Like when at first, like when the NFT boom really started, it was all about one of one art. It was all about artists. It was all about like, you know, if you were a really talented artist, you could make a lot of money because people were buying art. And then PFPs started coming in and it stopped being about one of one art. It started being about the 10K project. And then it went from like, you know, a bit of both just being like, all right, we're all in on the trading side of this. So it stopped being about art and it started being about, and I'm not here talking, I'm not trying to throw shade at PFP projects, right? Like do whatever you want. Like, but I just, um, it's something that concerns me where we are promoting this empowering artists mentality, but at the same time, it's almost disenfranchising um, traditional art. And I don't mean traditional art industry. I mean, like, art. Like, I mean, like, painting 
and drawing and photography and, you know, all the various forms of still image art and then, you know, uh, 3D art that's been happening, people like Nest Graphics. I mean, he's doing quite well, but does that make sense, Amro? So that's a concern. We're like, we're losing a bit of like the soul yeah, of it's, art. It's, 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 it, I don't think we're losing the soul. I think it's, listen, there's two, I, I think first off, artists deserve to take advantage just like any capitalist, number one. Um, and this, uh, it's a, we're, we live in a consumer culture and if people want to buy this and, and, and enjoy it, then they should. And unfortunately this is where, uh, this is more so where I, where I think the soul is being lost is when you see blur and open pro where they're exactly. now, where they're now exactly. treating, but they're now treating this non, the non fungible token, like a fungible. So they're trading it, they're making it tradable at the velocity that, you know, a fungible token should be. And, you know, with that, that, in my opinion, takes it away from the core use case, the core value proposition, the cultural aspect. Agreed. But but in the intermediary, no, I I do think artists should be allowed to, to make money and have their royalties set. And I actually think that, you know, there's going to be some really interesting smart contract technology coming soon that's going to allow you know an an entire movie anyone who participated in a movie to be in a a smart contract and get paid their royalties in an automated fashion there's already people working on that dude Um, i know i talked to them them, they were doing it for fine art i was like dude do this for a movie like you can add as many people as you want in the smart contract and amend it like come on that's what i was trying to do with non-fungible show i mean literally i was the, the original use case was the first funders of the documentary series got to choose the topics. So it's like, there's so many use cases to, to use this. And it, you know, it goes so beyond, I mean, soon do we're going to start seeing people use NFTs for patents. People are going to start using NFTs for all kinds of things. I mean, and they're already doing it using AI to like, to write these, these pitches and then NFT. And I mean, it's crazy. It's awesome. Just a little bit scary. It's happening very quickly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, listen, there's, there's, everybody forgets that we were in a global pandemic and there was a acceleration of, you know, the, the historic, it, it, I don't think we'll see something as historic as what COVID accelerated for good or for worse. And then the fallout from the sustainability of what it accelerated and, and what was able to actually sustain. And, and, and I think what, what, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, uh, that inflated market, but we're also seeing those inflated companies and those inflated products and those inflated solutions that really make it, uh, you know, they're, they, they're not going to make it. It's, it's hard when you have, you know, a design where you have one revenue stream or you're reliant on your customer base being captive at home. Um, so I think, I think, you know, as we're returning more and more to normalcy and as we're returning, people are becoming even, you know, their mental health is becoming back to normalcy. Um, you know, we're going to see more reliance still on, on the virtual side of things, the virtual culture. And that's where, that's where it's important to cultivate safe spaces for, you know, you know, we have metaverses, but they're empty. We have, uh, you know, we have these tools but they're not being used. These, these technologies are not being used. So, so 
you know, the goal, the goal here is, and thank you all for listening. I'm going to wrap it up. Um, let, let, we'll play a song and everybody enjoy 420, I guess, um, is, uh, you know, we have to converge with the frameworks that work in, in, in web two. We have to get away from these designations framework, a framework's a framework. You know, there's some that haven't changed since the 1800s or even earlier. And we have to apply those frameworks to advance ourselves as individuals and be better and have higher morals and have higher ethics. But we also have to do this to advance our industry and not rely on personal morals or personal ethics. And so, you know, I struggle with that. (laughs) So, so to not struggle with that, that's where you, that's where you rely on community. That's where you rely on, uh, you know, governance. That's where you rely on subject matter experts. That's where you rely on facilitating talent. And what, what that, what that means to me and what that uh, one key takeaway, if anything is facilitate talent around you. And that means like even outside of your company, outside of your network, find people who are better at, at, at what you're trying to get done than you are so that you can focus on what you're best at and build that network and empower those people. And, and as we do that, we're going to start to see micro economies grow around these unicorn companies, around these, these cash rich organizations. And we're going to start to see the right butts get in the right seats. And we're going to start to see the right technologies and, and solutions be created. And we're going to start to see new use cases and new users and new adoption without making it a novelty, a gimmick, or a buzzword. And that's, that's really what I'm excited about. And I think 2023 is going to show us a lot of interesting things. I don't think it's going to be a bear. I don't, think, I don't think we're in for a bad run. I think we have funds that have raised more money than they have before, and funds don't give money back. So, you know, they're sitting on the sidelines scared. They're going to have to, you know, make, take some actions pretty soon. And I've never heard of funds giving money back. So, so I'm really, I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out and how corporate development plays out. And, and people hear corporate development and they want to like scratch my eyes out. Corporate development is just, it means growth through strategic decision-making acquisitions, investments, uh, you know, partnerships. Uh, and that's what's missing in this space. And it needs, that's what's I, I think is a critical factor to connect us to getting mass adoption is being able to have corporate development for somebody who is not a not who's not into business strategy who is not into uh, you know who who's a non-traditional founder or an artist and simply understands that okay this group can do this better so then they bring people that actually stay in their ecosystem because they're aligned not because they showed up for a grant and when we start to do that we're going to start to see really amazing things being built on top of each other and that that's going to just perpetuate more and more value and create really, really novel things instead of just riding trends, which which I think a lot of the space is, is trends, trends, trends. So so hopefully I think that's what 2023 will bring along. And it's going to it's going to allow people, you know, technology to kind of move to the forefront with ease of use, um, you know, both native and, and to new users. And, uh, you know, and, and really we need to bridge that with, with the folks who are looking to spend money in this space and don't know where to put it, like almost every enterprise. So uh, with that, you know, I'll, uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Everybody who came and spoke. Everybody who came and listened. Everybody took time out of their day. Uh, please follow everybody. If, you, if you're headed to Consensus, shoot me a message and love to meet up. 
uh, check out Acquirefy. We also, you know, like I said, our goal is to make this easy for founders. So, you know, we're, we're connecting you with funds in a safe space. We're also adding crowdfunding. We're adding pools, which means any asset class that is the same. So any art, any, let's say you have a thousand rare cars, you can basically put them in, in a pool and fractionalize them and, 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 and get them out um, and get, and get liquidity on something that was illiquid. So it, it's about creating tools that empower decentralization, new workflows um, and, and new things. And, and I'm really excited about not having to uh, have a follow the leader mentality, hopefully. And I think that's going to come this year. So thank you all. Play some calm music, some relaxing music. <laughs>